This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, Professor of Sport Management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. On today's podcast, I am joined by Army Athletic Trainer Andrew Delagrange. After serving in the Army post high school, Andrew earned a degree in athletic training from Defiance College. He went on to work as an athletic trainer for multiple colleges, including at the NCAA Division I level, and now works as an athletic trainer in the Army. In this episode, Andrew discussed the day-to-day of being an ATC, the challenges facing the profession today, and what he finds most rewarding about the job. I hope you enjoy. We want to welcome Andrew Delagrange to the show. Andrew, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate this uh, opportunity. Well, it's our pleasure. And we got to talk a little bit before the show on just kind of your varied experience as an athletic trainer. So first, let me start with your background, because you've got a really unique background. You've worked in college athletics as an athletic trainer, but you've also had a career in the Army, and that's what you're doing now. So just tell us a little bit about your path becoming an ATC and, and what you're doing today. Yeah, so I was definitely, I was a non-traditional college student. Um, so I was 32 when I started my undergrad uh, at Defiance College. I had five and a half years in the Army, a couple of deployments overseas. So like I was in Kuwait and I, Iraq three or two times. Then I spent eight years on the railroad, decided that uh, athletic training would be the way to go. And then just the, uh, the athletic training, it's taken me up to uh, Oakland University in uh, Southeast Michigan, worked at Grace College down in Warsaw, IPFW. I was there twice. And then uh, getting into the, the military setting, uh, I've worked at Fort Bliss, Texas, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and uh, finally here at uh, Fort Stewart, Georgia. You came back to school. So you weren't like a, a traditional student where at 18, you know, oh yeah, I want to be a trainer and you go in and you do it. You know, you had your career in the army and then you came back as a returning student. So what was that like? And, and how did you know, like, being an athletic trainer is the path you wanted to go. So I think one of the bigger things I was looking at is that, so strength conditioning is actually what I have a lot of interest in, but like, you know, you go through and you, and I was trying to do my homework and you look at the, uh, the bios of strength conditioning coaches. And, you know, like you go to IU and you look at, you know, you get on their website, you look at their strength coaches. And if you weren't a D one football player, like you're not going to be a, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to be a strength coach, not at a, at a higher level anyway. So, and I just, and I really like the idea of just knowing so much about the body and knowing how to fix it. Um, And I think that's what really drew me towards uh, the athletic training, Uh, you know, and like going to school, like, you know, in my thirties, I was, you know, that maturity level helped so much because like I wasn't concerned about partying. I wasn't, you know, and and that just cured so many things, you know, like I was married at the time, you know, I was, you know, still married. Um, you know, I mean, but it's just like that creates just so fewer hassles, you know, in so many ways that to direct your attention uh, that it like to me, it was just really easy to be able to sit down and just focus on, you know, what I needed to do, what I had to do and get it done. Um, you know, what I mean, but like with the younger kids, uh, you know, like traditional age college students, you know, athletic training with it being so varied, um, you know, it's like you got to have a pretty good idea what you want to do before you get started. Um you know, and it's, and the way that things are kind of progressing now, um, 
you know, it's like you look at the professional level, like they're trying to get, you know, physical therapists are taking a lot of athletic training jobs. Um, you know, like you look at pro baseball, um, you know, their PT slash ATCs, uh, MBA now, uh, they're looking at, you know, they want dual credentialed PT ATCs. So that thought process of, and it's going to be harder now with the entry level masters that uh, athletic trainers are requiring. Um, I think we're going to miss out on a lot of people because the really good students before, you know, like my undergrad was athletic training. So like with their, like the higher performing, you know, students that we had went to physical therapy school. So they still had that athletic training background. Well, now if, if you're going to have an entry level master's that's two years or a doctor of physical therapy, that's three, it's going to be a hard sell for, to have those dual credential people nowadays. Um, and I think that people are just going to go straight to the physical therapy route. You know, I mean, if they're depending on what their aspirations are, um, you know, the high school setting. And I think too, it just depends on what you want to do. You know, it's, um, you know, like somebody that loves the high school setting or really enjoys that, like you got to get used to bad hours, even worse pay, and just know that that's where it's going to be, you know, and it's like the upward mobility isn't necessarily there at, uh, you know, like in a, in a high school setting, but then when you get to the college level, uh, it's kind of the same thing. You know, I worked at Grace College for a little while, um, and with there, like, it was almost like a high school setting. We had set hours or fairly set hours for athletic trainers. Um, you know, like as long as if it wasn't game day, we were there from 11 to six, um, you know, and then games and stuff on the weekends, but like you get to a power five school and even there, like they're wanting PT ATs for, you know, the head positions. So, um, you know, it, uh, I mean, it's definitely a lifelong learning. Like you're never stop. you know, you never stop learning. You're always trying to pick something else up, but, uh, I think it's just, with the unfortunate route that we're going with having such specific kind of degree routes now, like people have to know what they want to do when they, you know, like as an 18 year old, and that's, just, it's really, really tough to do. You know, I mean, at 32, it was easy for me. Um, but, uh, you know, some of these 18 year olds, like the lifespan on athletic trainers just isn't there anymore. Um, you know, it's like six, seven years and people are getting out of the profession. So. You just touched on it. I think this is really interesting. Just the differences between like high school and college. And you're right, high school and maybe kind of smaller colleges, it's a little bit maybe more well-defined with your hours because they're limited in practice and how much they do and things like that. Um, but what about maybe bigger schools? I, I know you've worked at some bigger schools in, in Fort Wayne there, so a D1 university. Like I, I would have to imagine it almost has to feel like you're on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week with some, especially yeah. you talked about the power five. Mm -hmm. Oh, exactly. And, uh, and with that, you know, and, and I don't like the power five schools, um, like a coworker I had at, uh, at Oakland, she's up at Michigan state now. And, uh, like she has just one assignment, like she's working just softball, wow. um, you know? And so like, even with them, you know, so like you're and when we worked together at Oakland, so I had the, like, we both worked soccer and then had, like baseball or softball in the spring. And with that, you know, it's like 25 people on the soccer team, 25 to 30 on, you know, softball slash baseball. So you're twice as many students. Um, you're always on, you know, like you're always in season. Um, so even like our winter break, like the, you know, even though the soccer guys are chilling out or the soccer teams are on their, they're winding down. Well, now baseball slash softball are winding up. 
so the the D1 schools, you know, because like I went to a D3 school, so like over at Defiance, and with their like academics mean a little bit more than most D1 schools. You know, like Stanford, Notre Dame may have a different playbook, but like PFW was you're there to be a student athlete. Like we're going to be student athletes or more athlete than the student side. Um, you know, so they're like, it was definitely more of a 24 seven job at Fort Wayne than, um, and even like up at Oakland, um, you know, limited resources on facilities. So everybody is sharing facilities, um, you know, and it's, you know, the, the class schedule too, depending on what people were in for programs. So it was, uh, the D one setting was definitely more difficult to work in that regard. Uh, just trying to pin people down and like, try to get your, your treatments in and, uh, trying to get that kind of stuff going. And I can imagine that probably contributes to, to some of the burnout You said, you know, the career is only about six to seven years long. And you also said something interesting too, where there may not be a lot of upward mobility. I mean, if you're a, if you're an ATC for, for a team, you're, that's it. I mean, there's nowhere else you can go. I mean, there's not like, okay, you know, you're, you're an in resident and an intern and then doctor and go from there. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, and, it, and that's the thing that like with the high schools, you know, it's like, if, uh, you know, say like Angola High School is a prime example, you know, it's so with that network, you're very rarely the employee of the school, you know, like you're assigned there from a local network, from a hospital network, um, you know, and it and I love OPS, you know, and like what they're doing out there at Angola, um, you know, but it's like if like all their headquarters are down in Fort Wayne. Well, so if you're from Angola, if you want to be in Angola, it's going to be really hard to be a supervisor in Fort Wayne, but still want to be connected to the community in Angola. Um, you know, so it's like, you've got to sacrifice a lot of stuff to do one or the other. Um, and that's the good thing, like with the high school setting, because you become such a part of the community, you know, you're seeing, you know, like Friday night lights, like, you know, I mean, you're seeing the, you know, your star quarterbacks, mom and dad at the grocery store on Tuesday, you know, it's like you're, you see everybody, uh, the college setting is a lot more removed. Um, so like, and that's the biggest difference I think between like high school and college is that you're managing, like you're triaging and you're managing parents as much as anything else. Um, Mm. the college setting, like you don't deal with parents anymore. You know, it's like they're over 18. Uh, they can, hopefully they can make a decision for themselves. Um, like we both know that's not always the case, unfortunately, but, um, you know, it's like the, the high school setting, like I said, is that you're just, you're, you're managing parents more than uh, even the student at that point. But. And I think it's appropriate that we talk about all this and, and kind of get a great holistic view of, of everything that goes into the job and the responsibilities. And, and I like that we've talked about the difference on the different levels. Um, but I know there's some things that really attract you to the job and especially with what you're doing now in the army. So tell us kind of what it is an athletic trainer does in the army and what is it that, that you just love, that you enjoy, that, that gets you up and go into the office every morning? So in the, the military setting, um, you know, I mean, this is obviously a way more, you know, a physical job or a physical career than a basketball player in, you know, at college in the D1 setting. And I mean, because the chances are good that like they're not like their career is done after that. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. so they're going to yeah. go to an office setting or whatever it is. Um, and these guys like what attracted me to the military so much is just unfortunately, you know, the, the, the military just has a bad, bad reputation. And most of it is well-earned for just not taking care of their people very well. Um, you know, I mean, it's a scale of it. There's a ton of issues and it could be a completely separate podcast just for like 
why army medicine is as bad as it is. Mm. Uh, but knowing that, like experiencing it 20 years ago, um, you know, it's like what gets me into the office every day is knowing that like someone knows how to fix these guys or like hopefully to get them in a little better condition uh, to where they can just do their job more pain-free than what they ever do it. Because um, that's just, you know, and it, it's kind of a running joke, you know what I mean? But like anybody that's been in the Army for nine years has knee pain and low back pain. Yeah. And every, you know, the unfortunate, most of the time, the answer is just here, eat a bunch of ibuprofen and don't do anything for three weeks and you're, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And they get told that for 10 years. And then all of a sudden I get them and it was a simple fix. You know, it could have been, um, you know, just getting scapular mobility back, you know, something simple. And it's like, wow, my back doesn't hurt anymore. Like, all right. Yeah. You're welcome. Like <laughs> tell your Joe's like, tell your lower enlisted. Um, but I just, I relate so well to like, I relate to this population so much better than college kids, um, which when a traditional age person, you know, a traditional age student, when they go through college, like their peers, um, like I'm not, you know, I, I didn't have peers when I went to defiance, you know, like my peers were the professors, which was an odd, like not a correct, you know, kind of way to, to be, you know, it's like, I shouldn't have, I wasn't hanging out with them and stuff, but like just that age though, in the maturity level, like I didn't hang out with the other students, you know? Um, but it's like here, you know, it's like, there are very few of these guys that have experienced anything I didn't experience when I was in. And, uh, and it really helps them as well. You know, it's like, um, knowing what they go through, like knowing what the stresses are and them knowing that I did it as well, like really seems to help out. Uh, Cause I know the lingo. Uh, mm -hmm. Cause like if you get around the military, it's like we throw acronyms around and, you know, just the way that we talk, like a civilian looks at us and it's like, what did you just say? And it's yeah. like, Oh, it's simple. You know, it's um, you know, as I can't remember that Danny DeVito movie, but it was like when he first showed up, uh, I can't, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but, you know, like his first day on campus, you know, it, he was at some military school and everybody's throwing all these acronyms around and he looks at them like no idea. And then the last day of school, like he's doing the same thing to the new person he sees. And it just like, you don't even realize you're doing it until like, I'm talking to my wife about some of this stuff. And she's just like, uh, yeah, what did, like, I have no idea what you just told me, you know? And it's like, Oh shoot. Like, all right, now you got to go back and be like, Oh, well it was this, this, and you know, like even just reading a clock is so different here compared to civilians. So it, uh, but that's what draws me to it. Um, like I said, it's just that, uh, attachment, you know, like I said, I mean, and just, and I, cause I love it, you know, I mean, I love the structure. Um, you know, I love being able to like, you should look at, you can look at someone's rank and know, like have an expectation for them and, and kind of know, where everybody's place is. Um, and that just means a lot. Like having that structure is, is pretty cool. Yeah. And I can tell we're, we're probably about the same age because I know exactly what movie we're talking about with David DeVito. <laughs> uh, Renaissance Man. Is the Renaissance Man, yeah, there you go. Um, but, you know, but that's interesting. I, I'm really glad you said that because um, I kind of want to talk about some of those traits that you think makes a, a successful athletic trainer because it, it is different probably like school to school, level to level, and then mm -hmm. being in the army. But I'm sure there's some things as you're dealing with your patients that are kind of, um, that are standard kind of across the board. Yeah, the, the standard is, you know, I mean, it's, 
like it's just selflessness. I mean, and that's really the biggest thing because like, and it doesn't matter what setting we're in, um, you know, whether it's, you know, I mean, your local high school, professional or a military setting or, you know, working for a local fire department, if it's, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have a job, you know, so it, and I think the biggest thing is, and like, and what we keep seeing now, and I think that, and even like trying to find people for these positions is like the individual, like the person doing the work, the athletic trainer is not the most important person in the room. Um, the patient is, or, you know, the service member or the student athlete, like they're the most important person in the room. Cause if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have a job. And I think that is probably, I think it's just missed a lot, unfortunately. And, and I don't know, I just, I'm not sure what that is. I don't know why that's a, why that's an issue. Um, but we even see it here, you know, like in a military setting with young leaders um, that, you know, like in a soon when you get put in a leadership position, you're not the most important person, mm-hmm. the people under you, like those are the most important people that are in your life now. And, uh, and just way too often, you know, people look at like they're in that leadership position and it's like, oh, now I can just b- boss people around and tell people what to do. And it's like, you got to set them up for success. Like, and that is just, it's easy. You know, I mean, it's an easy thought, but like the execution obviously is very difficult. Um, but like, I think it's just like getting it through our head that, uh, that we're not like the focus isn't on us. And it's, you know, like it's up to us to empower the, an individual to, to improve or to get better. Um, but it isn't on us. You know, it's like, we're like, we're just not, the, we're not the focus anymore. You know, it's like who we're working on and uh, just the force as a whole, like they're the, the important ones. Like that's what the focus is or what the focus should be. Well, it's a great lesson. And, and I'm glad you said it because we've had a couple people on just talking about leadership and, and leadership in sport. And it, a lot of it comes down to that kind of that servant type of mentality, that servant mm-hmm. leadership mentality of making sure, Hey, you know, I, I might be kind of at the head of the boat, but you know, we're all got our oars in the water and, and trying to get to the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned that. And you talked a little bit about your career path kind of earlier. Now, yours was maybe a little bit different from the traditional 18 to 22 year old that may be listening to this. But how do you become an athletic trainer? Do you have to get a master's degree? Can you, is there a test? Is there a certification? If you have a bachelor's, like what's the path? Yeah. So now like, so you can still sit for the the national exam, the BOC exam uh, with an undergraduate uh, degree. But in uh, 2025, the BOC has changed it to where you have to have a master's degree. Um, And I think that's going to be a tremendous change. Um, And I don't think for the better, or I don't know if it's going to be for the better in the long run. Um, But like right now, and and I kind of like the setup now, you know, because it gives you just so much more time for exposure. Um, You know, like when I went through and I love the program over at Defiance, and unfortunately we lost our athletic training program. Hmm. Uh, But and it was just, you know, the cost of trying to get the masters lined up and all of that stuff. Like it just, it wasn't feasible, unfortunately for them, you know what I mean? But like you get your observation hours as a freshman. So then you get an idea then of like, do I really want my evenings wrapped up for the rest of my life? Do I want to burn up all of my weekends? Like you get an idea of it then. And then as we get further into the program, you get assigned your own sport. So you really, you get that idea or that understanding of this is what the head AT does. Cause you worked with him for a, you know, for an entire season. Um, you know, and you just get a much better idea with that. And, uh, I think we're going to lose that with the, with that entry-level masters because they're trying to pack everything into two years. And, you know, even though the, 
you know, the like the anatomy, you know, the physiology knowledge, the exercise science knowledge might be a little better, like going into that master's program, the clinical skills of being an athletic trainer just aren't going to be there because they just don't have the time. And, uh, and the, you know, the most vital time for, you know, just like with strength coaches or, I mean, any coach is that two-year GA position, you know, mm -hmm. of like working for your master's, you know, you're doing, you're the low man on the totem pole. So you're doing all the grunt work you're doing, but it, you learn so much because it's sink or swim. Well, now, you know, it's just going to be, everybody's going to be this master's degree and like, oh, you're supposed to know what's going on. And it's like, but they've never worked on their own. You know, I mean, so it's um, it's going to be interesting to see like how our career goes. Um, I think we're going to lose a lot to physical therapists, to be honest with you. But um, I think in the long run, like it's not it's going to hurt athletic training more than anything. But and I wonder if we've already seen some of that because I mean, you've got the one side where okay, you know, we may not have as many students now going into athletic training because if I'm going to do the same amount of schooling, well, maybe I'll just go be a PT and make more money. Um, and then, so you got that. And then, you know, I, schools like, you know, budgets, unfortunately just aren't growing for schools. And a lot of them, you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier are outsourcing some of their athletic training. So you don't have as many athletic trainers in house. So, you know, are we seeing a, a you know, in the future where we may have a, a little bit of a lack and, you know, some of these maybe standards might need to be revisited or, you know, maybe the marketing and how we try to get more people into athletic training needs to be revisited. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I think it's definitely going to have to be revisited because I know even like on the military setting and this is just, and even just on the army side, um, you know, I mean, I think we're going to end up and it's going to be over a 10 year span or a 10 year progress or a 10 year program. Okay. Um, but we're going to end up having like five or 6% of certified athletic trainers working just for the army and the H2F program. Uh, the Marines are in the process of rolling out a similar program. Air Force is rolling out a similar program. So there's going to be a boatload of these athletic training positions and they're already struggling to fill them. So the schools, you know, small schools like a Trine or a, you know, Purdue Fort Wayne that struggled to fill positions already in the past, like the, the career is definitely going to have to change. And I just don't like, it's going to be really hard, say for a PFW to, you know, even with getting assistance from OPS, like it's just going to be really hard for them to compete with Ball State, you know, or even just some of the smaller, you know, like the other mid-major schools in the area, um, you know, just get the pay just in there and they can't afford to pay more. Um, you know, the, you know, working multiple sports and because, you know, and I, I don't know why the burnout is so prevalent because I like, this isn't a new model, you know, like with, uh, you know, working, you know, soccer in the fall, like working a, a fall sport and a spring sport isn't anything new. Um, you know, it's, it's athletic training's always been like that, but it's just, I think within the last five or six years, like that burnout is just so prevalent and I'm, I'm just not sure what else is leading to it. Um, you know I mean? But it's, you know, it's real, you know I mean? Like, my wife experienced it and she didn't care for it. You know, she didn't like it at all. I certainly didn't care for it. Um, you know, which is why I'm in this setting, you know, and it's because it means a ton, you know, to, to work a nine to five and have your, you know, know what a weekend, because like most athletic trainers have no idea what a Sunday is. Sure. It's just another work day, um, you know, or a Friday night, you know, it's like, well, that's when, you know, as a baseball guy, like, Hey, that's our biggest night, you know, that's our biggest game of the week, Friday night. 
Um, you know, and like now it's like, Hey, Friday night, like I actually can enjoy, I know what Friday nights are now and it's really freaking cool. You know, I mean, it's really nice to have, um, you know, so yeah, it's, um, it's just so different. You know I mean? On like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how we're going to fix it. You know, like, I don't know what the answer is, but I don't think the masters was that was the answer. Um, cause like I said, I mean, I think we're going to, we lost a ton of really good athletic trainers and being physical therapists already. You know, it's, I'm sure even in your guys's program, um, you know, they're, you know, some of your probably better performing or top performing students were undergrad athletic trainers and then decided to get that dual credential. Um, you know, and I, like I said, cause I know like the, the, the two top students that were in my class over defiance, they're physical therapists. Now they're not playing with the, you know, with the AT stuff. So it, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what it, uh, you know, what the next 10 years are going to hold. Uh, but it's definitely going to be interesting. Now, as you think back over your, your career though, um, and I'll, I'll try to preface this to kind of give you a little bit of time to, to think about this question. Cause I didn't ask you, I didn't have it on our, our sheet beforehand, but just thinking about some of the highlights. Um, so one of the cool things about being an athletic trainer, and I think probably why a lot of people get into it is they were former athletes, or as you talked about, you know, you were in the army and now you get to go back and work with those guys who went through a lot of the things you went through. So we get into it because it's something that, that we love and, and we have a connection to. So I got to imagine there were maybe like one or two stories or, or athletes that you work with, or, or even just kind of soldiers that you work with where you help them if they were in pain or you help them through rehab or something. And all of a sudden now they're able to go on and, and get back to their sport or, or get back to their unit and do things with a lot less pain. Um, anything stick out in your mind or over your career that was like, well, that was really cool. I could have never have done that had I gone into sales or management or, or accounting. Yeah. One of our, uh, so, and I, like, I, I love baseball to heart. Like I, I, I am a huge baseball fan. Um, just everything about baseball, like just the, like the average person that plays baseball, you know, it's like, they're just kind of quirky. You know I mean? They're just different people. Anyway, I love being around baseball. And when I was an intern down there at Fort Wayne, um, and we were just working, you know, like we were in the summit league still. So like the bus trips, you know, like a 14 hour bus trip out to Oral Roberts. Um, but like one of our guys, and he was a sub arm, like a submariner pitcher. So like, he's already a goofball, you know, like just an odd duck anyway. Uh, you know I mean? But that guy was just, uh, I mean, he worked his tail off, man. He, he busted his butt. He worked so hard. And, uh, you know, I mean, and I think just like having the maturity to be able to talk to somebody and be like, if we keep pushing this, your that elbow is going to pop. Like mm. we're going to pop this thing. If we keep pushing it, like I can bubble gum you until we get to the end, but it's like, if you want to do this, I'll, it, here's the risks. If you want to take them, I'll do whatever I can to help you. And he's like, I don't care. Just like, Hey, do what we can. And, um, and I think just working with him and, uh, you know, and it was, just, it was so funny because we were at Cartersville, Georgia down at, at perfect game, you know, like at their complex scoreboard has the, the speed gun on it. And it was like, and this dude hadn't hit 80 mile an hour in, years you know like since he was in high school and uh and just the like getting him to hit like 81 82 again and it was just and he felt decent doing it and like everybody's busting his chop like everybody in the dugouts busting his chops you know it's like oh man i was like dude you know see bash you're man you're feeling good tonight hitting 81 you know like whatever it was and just the smile on that dude's face i mean like that was 
that was worth it. You know, like that was worth everything. Um, and it was just, you know, it's like, cause that's my biggest thing is that like, I'm going to inform you, you know, like I'm, I'm not going to tell you what you can and can't do. I just, I'm going to educate you. I'm going to tell you that okay. you can do this, but this is what, this is your consequence. Like, this is the repercussion. Like, do you want to do it? Like, do you understand what this is going to entail? And if they understand it, be like, all right, man, like, let's go. And he understood it. He bought in. And, uh, I mean, and like I said, that dude, he worked his tail off and, uh, like it's just that day, like just that night. I mean, we were getting our heads kicked in. Like we did a lot. We were not very good that year. Um, yeah. I mean, took a lot of L's that season, but it was just, like I said, the dugout, like the energy in the dugout, like, and just seeing the look on his face, like when he got done pitching a good inning, you know I mean? It was just like, that's worth it. Like that is just so cool. And that's a great story. And I'm a big baseball guy too. I think baseball players, you've got to have a really good sense of humor to play that many games and travel the way that they do. Um, but I mean, that's a perfect story. And hopefully students kind of students that are listening, pick up on that, that, you know, it's not just coaching where you can have that impact or, or being an athletic administration or teaching or anything. You know, there's a lot of different avenues in sport to working with players. So, so that's perfect right there. And then the, the last thing I would ask is just, you know, for students, we, we've gone through a lot in just a short amount of time here, but for students who do want to get into this as a profession, any advice that, that you would give them? I think the biggest thing is, uh, and like I said, and unfortunately, you know, with it being kind of a narrowed down path now to where it's like, you've got to get pretty specific when you're young. Um, I think it's just like if, uh, and I think that like most high schools now are getting you know, like sports medicine programs going. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's just so important to go shadow, like where you think you mm. want to work, um, go shadow them for a few days or a couple of weeks, try to get as much exposure as possible. Um, cause if you're only there like football, you know, like if you're only there on Friday nights, like who doesn't like Friday night lights, you know I mean? Like that's an awesome feeling, you know, I'm like, seeing, you know, a bunch of rowdy kids, parents, ever, you know, the, the pregame, like all that stuff, like that's awesome. But then show back up at 8 a.m. Saturday morning. That's not as fun. You know, it's like that kind of gets old, uh, you know, so I think it's just uh, shadow, you know, shadow and ask a ton of questions. Because like I said, you know, like everybody loves game day. But like with, you know, working, you know, Summit League Baseball, um, you know, I love the games. I wouldn't have traded it for anything, but we left Wednesday night and got home Sunday morning, mm-hmm. did it five weeks in a row, you know, and it's like, I don't know who we messed or who we, you know, made mad in scheduling, but like PFW, we had a bad, bad schedule that year, you know, and it's like, do you want to do that? You know, it's like, do you want to see your team more than you see your wife, you know, um, you know, or your significant other, whatever it is, you know, so it, um, you know, it just, I think that's the most important thing, you know, it's like, you just got to, People have to do their homework and really understand what they're getting into on like what setting they want to work in. Well, Andrew, we really appreciate you coming on the show and giving your advice to, to our students and everybody else listening. And again, thank you for your service. And oh, um, thank you. If we have any students that uh, have questions, we'll, we'll send them your way. Thank you. Oh, that sounds great. And I'd be more than happy to help out, do whatever I can to help. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to listen to our next episode on September 15th as we speak with Nicholas Zaroya from Madonna University. As always, we'd like to say a special thank you to producer Josh Hornbacher for his work behind the scenes today. This is the Center for Sports Studies podcast, broadcasting from the Trine Broadcasting Network. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the Center for Sports Studies podcast 
on your favorite podcasting platform. Give us a five-star rating if you like what you heard. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit trine.edu. Also be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TrineCSS, and subscribe to our YouTube page by searching Trine University Center for Sports Studies. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.